Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the fourth episode of Truth Talks over Tequila Shots. Now, I know it's been a little while since I last posted an episode. Please forgive me. Um, It's kind of been multiple reasons, one of which I tried recording with one of my good friends who's in San Antonio. And honestly, the audio, it just wasn't really what I needed it to be. Um, It's also been a time where I'm kind of more self-reflecting. And as far as this episode goes, I wasn't too sure how to record it. This episode isn't really what I've done in any of my previous ones. Um, Today's episode is going to be more so about forgiveness and grieving. I got a few DMs, obviously not as much as, you know, everyone is looking for host stories and relationships and things like that but I did get a few dms regarding grieving processes and dealing with losses and I felt like it was important for me to talk about as far as my experiences and things that I've been through that have kind of put me where I am today Now, before I even jump into the conversation, because I'm definitely going to be needing a drink before I talk about this, I'm going to talk about the tequila of choice of the day, which is going to be Casamigos Blanco. Now, I honestly haven't ever really drank Casamigos that heavy, but it's honestly really, really good. It's smooth. It's honestly really funny to see um, how much tequila I brought at the or bought at the beginning of quarantine, and it's just been sitting there because... I started out pretty heavy drinking at the beginning of quarantine. If you follow me on Instagram, you would know that I kind of did those Instagram lives like shot for question type shit and would just black out by myself in my room. And it's honestly just been sitting there because I haven't really been drinking whatsoever. Um, So it's just I just have a lot of tequila for use whenever the time comes. But cheers to this cheers to what should we cheers to today let's cheers to we'll cheers to growth we'll cheers to forgiveness self-love and money i don't fucking know not as smooth as centenario i'll say that Now, like I mentioned earlier, this episode is different than what I've done in the past. It's more of an insight in my personal life and some things that I've been through. Who the fuck is honking? So fucking unnecessary. Anyways, as I was saying, I'm going to try to not edit this as much so you guys can get the real raw emotion Um, that I may or may not have and just a little bit more about me and a more sentimental side I would say now this isn't in any way shape or form to have people you know feel sorry for me or to get sympathy from anyone but it's more so to help anyone out that may or may not be in a similar situation and is looking for guidance or advice or someone else's experiences to you know help them through their own so that's what this is for but we'll just jump right into it now forgiveness I'm gonna start off by saying that in the past I have been one 
to hold a grudge forever. Like if you did me wrong, I was the type to never let that go. And through certain situations, I've realized that that's not the healthiest way to be. It's not the healthiest way to live my life. And personally me, it's just a lot of anger that I don't need built up inside of me. But I'll kind of go into detail on how I learned to stop this or what I did to, you know, grow out of that phase or that point in my life. Now, growing up, I was, I would say pretty close to my dad. Um, back when I lived up in Waukegan and, you know, my parents were together, we were pretty close. Within time, uh, my parents separated and our relationship just wasn't the same anymore. Granted, I moved to Texas, so the distance also affected our relationship. And I just felt like my dad wasn't there for me the way that he was when I was younger. And growing up, um, you know, like through high school and stuff like that, I think that I look to my siblings for a lot of guidance. Um, my sister was you know, there for me for all of my games, like football and cheering or whatever and soccer and volleyball. Like my sister was always the one that was there for me because my mom was working all the time. And my brother would check in with me a lot, even though he was up in Waukegan and he would just be kind of that father figure that I needed. Um, if you know me, you know that my brother is a big reason as to who I am today and things that I'm interested in and tattoos and sneakers and streetwear and music. And I grew up wanting to be like cool, like my brother, basically. And within time, um, I needed my dad more. I felt like when I went to college, I would say like the beginning, you know, freshman year, sophomore year, my dad was more involved into my life. Um, he would help me out, you know, financially here and there if he could. And it was good to have that because I felt like at the end of high school, I really needed it and he wasn't there for me. So receiving that, you know, my first year in college was really nice. And within, you know, the rest of my college career, it kind of dwindled and I didn't receive as many calls. And I never got asked like, hey, how are you or anything like that. Everything was very minimal. And I totally understand that I could have done things differently too. But I looked at it like I'm your daughter and you're not reaching out to me the way that I need to. And it hurt a lot. So come senior year of college and, um, you know, this um, my last semester... I know I'm about to graduate, so I had let my family know up north that, you know, hey, this is going to be the weekend, you know, book around this, whatever, and my dad chose to not come to graduation, and that hurt me tremendously. I was a first-generation grad. I never expected to go to college, let alone graduate college. So this meant so much to me. You know, he didn't go to my high school graduation. I said, how can he miss my college one? This is really, really important for me. So when he chose to not come, that was kind of it for me. 
I was super hurt. You know, I said, if my stepdad was willing to come to my graduation, why can't you? It, it was just, I just was not okay with it. So I eventually, you know, ignored Father's Day. I did not reach out to him. You know, any calls that he would make to me, I wouldn't answer. Any text messages, I wouldn't respond. Birthday calls, nothing like that. And it had been up until the end of September. And I really had gone, you know, since May something, May 20th, until then to not speak to him. And then I had received some of the worst news that I could. I was at work one Saturday and in our group message with, you know, my brother and sister, my brother lets us know that my dad had a stroke and that it was, you know, really bad and he had to be airlifted to one of the hospitals. So I immediately like don't know what to do. I'm panicking and my aunt calls me and she's trying to calm me down and I'm just very, very emotional at this point. Granted, I'm at work by myself. I'm like, what the hell do I do? And my shitty job at the time tried to ask me to stay until five because I was the only one there, you know, and that fucking sucks if you're working for a company that can't sit there and understand the shit that you're going through. It's not a good company to work for. But I just immediately booked my sister and I's tickets Um, first flight out of Dallas later that afternoon and went home and just packed a carry-on luggage. You know, we booked a one-way ticket. We didn't know what was going to happen. And the whole time, you know, we're at the airport and on the plane, I have every worst-case scenario running through my head. And it was really, really emotional because I honestly thought that I was going to lose my dad. And, you know, to even think about me not talking to him for countless months because I let my pride get in the way that really really sucked and I felt like complete shit so we land in Chicago and you know we go straight to the to the um, hospital and stuff and when I walked into the room it didn't look like my dad and he couldn't really speak and you know, he's on all these tubes and all these other things. And it was really, really emotional for me, which is crazy because I'm probably the least emotional person out of the siblings. And, you know, I was probably the worst one at this point. My sister's typically the more emotional, sentimental person, but it hit me, I would say the hardest just because our relationship was at a really bad point at this point. And I couldn't stand to see my dad like that. And, you know, I wasn't too sure what what everything was going to look like because, you know, we were getting told like, hey, he he needs to have half of his skull removed. His brain is swelling too much and, you know, it needs room to heal and we can't have this here. And it just seeing him like that was the worst thing. And him not being able to communicate well and, you know, move properly. That was really hard. Um, We spent countless train rides and hours in the ICU sleeping there. I was living out of a, you know, carry-on luggage for however many weeks. And 
it was really hard, I would say, being in that situation. And that's when I realized, like, I never in my life want to hold a grudge over someone like this because God forbid that they were to leave this earth. I don't, I don't ever want to be in that situation. And I truly and honestly wouldn't be able to forgive myself if that's how things would have turned out. And throughout that time, I would say kind of what helped me be sane would probably be the support system that I had and, you know, the friends that checked in on me and the family members that checked in and helped us out, whether they gave us food while we were in the hospital or, you know, prayed for my dad or donated money to help out. Like anything meant the world to me. Even if it was like, hey, do you want to just go get something to eat to get your mind off some things? You know, that all meant the most to me. And after that, once my dad kind of, you know, regained full consciousness and I talked to him and I was like, hey, like, I forgive you. I'm I'm sorry that I didn't talk to you for this many months. And he apologized for, you know, not being able to be there and I just never want to be put in a situation like that ever again because life's too short to hold grudges, especially with those that mean the most to you and that you love the most. Sorry, y'all. This is why this episode has taken so long to record because I've recorded it at least four times and it's really hard to get through. But no grudge is worth your relationship with someone that means a lot to you. It's just completely not worth it. And sometimes it takes something to happen for you to realize that because some people just can't not hold a grudge, which I understand, but life's too short for that shit. You really don't need it. And as far as grieving goes, um, This is definitely a more sensitive topic for me. But like I said, if it's going to help anyone out, then I'm here to share my experiences and the way I've handled different situations. But if anyone from the Waukegan area is listening, then you know um, about Mighty and Tony. And I guess I'll talk about more so our relationship and you know, them as people and stuff. But Maddie and I have known each other since we were babies, like not babies, but I guess, you know, toddlers. Um, my brother and her uncle used to play baseball on a traveling team together back when they were in like middle school or high school or something like that. And me, her and her sister were always together, you know, at baseball games and you know, any traveling games that they had and stuff. Um, So I've known her for a really, really long time. And when I, you know, moved away and stuff, we had kind of fallen off, I would say up until like the end of high school, I would say, because we were still friends with the same group of people. And we kind of like rekindled our friendship. And it was like nothing really had changed. You know, I would go back and visit and it was all good. Like we'd all hang out, you know, this is back in, we weren't 21 or anything, but it was always good times. And that's just how it's always been. We still kept in touch whether I wasn't there. Um, 
you know, she was the worst at answering my FaceTime calls. I used to always get on her for that. But it was just a really good friendship to have because Madi was always the first person that wanted to see me when I got to Waukegan. And obviously my dad did too, but even with other family members, like she would be the first person trying to see me. And that meant the most to me. Wherever I was in Waukegan when I was in town, I was with Madi. And that's just how it was. And especially during my dad's, you know, sickness and stuff, she was there for me no matter what. Like she was helping me be sane, like, hey, do you want to talk about it? Do you want to just go eat? You know, do you just need a drink to get your mind off some things? Like she was always the one that was trying to help me when I was there. And, you know, early December, we were talking about a lot of different things. You know, how should I get my nails done for this? What should I do here? Her birthday was coming up and she was like, what should I wear? You know, I'm planning on doing this. This is the vibe I'm going for. So we were just talking about all that. And then I had really, really wished, like, oh, I wish I could be there for her birthday and surprise her for it. And, you know, unfortunately, I couldn't do that. And I remember December 14th, the day after her birthday, I planned on calling her later that night to see exactly, you know, what she looked like before they went out, you know, to celebrate at the club and stuff. And I was at the mall buying Christmas gifts and I got a message from a friend of ours and he let me know that there was an article being reposted and that he wanted to be the one to tell me that Madi and Tony had both passed. Um, Now, I know I totally skipped that part before, but Tony is Madi's husband. Um, They got married a few years back and, you know, they were living together. They had their own house and everything. And when I first saw that message, I I couldn't believe it. It was not real to me up until I opened the article that he had sent me and I saw right away that it was her car. And right after that, I just, I broke down in the middle of the mall. And I remember this day, like the back of my hand, you know, it was, I was an emotional mess. And everyone at the ball was staring at me until I like ran out. You know, I called my sister and I, she couldn't understand what I was saying because I wasn't, you know, speaking properly. And it was really emotional because I had never experienced such a sudden loss, an unexpected loss like this. And, you know, we had just spoken. So it was... It was really hard for me. I sat in the parking garage for a good hour and a half and just cried. And I I knew I wasn't able to drive. So, you know, it took me some time to get home. And I was just very, it was just very, very emotional because, you know, two of the most good-hearted people, and if you knew Marty and Tony, you knew that they were the life of the party. They had the best energy. They were always friendly to everyone. They were funny as hell. So funny. 
And they were just good people to be around. They were always good energy. So to hear that their lives got cut so short hurt me the most. And it was just, it was very emotional for me. You know, I wasn't up in Waukegan, Illinois. I was in Dallas. It was really hard for me to process everything. And I wasn't being around, you know, the people that also knew them. Um, so that took me some time. You know, later I found out when the wake was going to be in the funeral. So I bought an expensive ass plane ticket up there. And it was, it was a lot to handle, you know, being at the wake and just seeing everyone there. I think it was beautiful to see how many lives that they touched because everyone from the town, you know, came to support. But seeing their families and just not being there with her, I think was the hardest thing for me because if I was anywhere out in Waukee and I was with her, so not having that there was really hard for me. You know, I still have other friends there and stuff and they were there for me, but it just wasn't the same. And, you know, they ended up having like a fundraiser event and I remember I was there with Cheese, which is also one of my friends and he was best friends with them too. Um, he was telling me like, we're going to make you some girlfriends here. Cause I was just by his side the whole time. He's like, I'm going to make you some girlfriends. If it's the last thing I do, like Maddie would make you be friends with some girls here. And I eventually ended up leaving because I ended up getting really emotional and it was just hard, hard being out and not having her there. And I just remember driving home like crying and just trying to not let my emotions get in the way of me driving but it was it was really hard um but I think also another thing that helped me was that I knew if one of them would have survived the car accident um, they wouldn't have been able to live without the other because if you knew Maddie and Tony's relationship you know that they were deeply in love with each other and that's kind of one thing that kept me sane through it and just kind of realizing that they're in a better place and you know Tony's watching over her even in heaven and knowing that I have both of them watching over me and I think a lot a lot of it also had to do with the support that I got from our friends there you know who reached out to me and said like hey I know every time you came back to town like she was the one that was here for you but we got you no matter what if you're ever in town and you need something don't be afraid to reach out to anyone you know we got you as much as she got you oh sorry hold up so that really did mean a lot um and to this day, you know, I try to stay in contact with people up there and just, hey, like, how are you guys? Everything like that. Um, I try to remember all the happy times that we had and, you know, things that Maddie would tell me. 
obviously right now I'm talking about her death is more so an emotional thing for me but if I'm talking about Maddie in general it's I'm always like oh, I remember this one time like Maddie told me this or we did this or just one drunk night out <laughs> this shit happened so it's it's always good talking about the good times that we had and even just I'm very big on going back through our text messages which sometimes can be emotional but Sometimes I just need to look back and say, like, what would Maddie tell me right now? What would Maddie tell me if I told her about a guy or about this or about that? You know, Maddie was always the one that was like, dude, you don't deserve that. Like, go do you behind your hot girl shit. You know, you're going to be living your best life. You're going to be traveling. And whether you're single or not, you're going to find someone and, you know, just focus on you. She was always the one that was like, don't put up with that bullshit, you know, focus on you. And it's sad. I remember her telling me one day, like, maybe the next time you come, you know, I'll be expecting. And Marty would have made a fucking bomb ass mom. She was a little cat mom, but she would have made a bomb ass mom. And Tony would have been a badass dad. So talking about you know their life here and just their presence and the energy that they gave everyone is kind of what keeps me sane and you know there will be days where I get emotional talking about it again and I'll just be up crying and maybe a certain song plays and I end up getting emotional and stuff but for the most part I try to look at the memories that we had and enjoy them while I did because I'm happy that you know I had both of them in my life and I got to witness the love that they had for each other because their love was one of the most real types of love that I've ever seen and that's hard to find nowadays and it's hard to witness so it's that's what we try to keep alive and even if I'm not all the way up in Waukegan, Illinois, you know, I'm in Dallas and I'm still thinking about them every day and I try to talk to Maddie as much as I can and like, oh damn, Maddie, like this is how my day went or this is what's going on in my life. But I think one thing that hurts me the most is that I don't dream often and I have been wanting to have a dream with her since she's left and I just have not been able to have it. So it's... It's killing me inside to know that I haven't had it yet and I'm trying to be patient because I know it'll come, but it'll happen soon. I have, I have hope for that, but okay. As emotional as that's been, that's what today's episode is about. It's about the real and raw emotions that people go through and unexpected, unexpected things in their life. So if anyone is ever needing to talk about anything or, you know, wanting to vent, reach out to someone because that's what I did a lot. I cried a lot. I cried tremendously. It was a rough few months, I would say, um, earlier this year dealing with that death and, you know, my dad getting sick again and having open heart surgery was a lot of emotions for me 
I was crying almost every day, whether I was at work, whether I was at home. You know, sometimes I didn't have the energy to go to work. And it was it was a lot. But mentally, I'm in a much better place than I was, you know, a few months back. And that doesn't mean that I don't have my breakdowns here and there. But I've learned to channel my emotions differently rather than like staying in bed. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do anything. Um, I try to focus on things that make me happy and make me feel like a better person. And this goes for anyone um, that is going through something similar. Just understand that there is no, you know, handbook to a grieving process. Everyone grieves differently. Whether you're more to yourself or you like to surround yourself with people or you seek therapy or you get in touch spiritually, everyone is different and your way may help you better than, you know, my way did. So just understand that heal the best way that's possible for you and understand that you can seek help if you need it. And, you know, you have to be mentally in a good place. Death can take a toll on you. It can take a toll on you physically, emotionally, spiritually, like every way possible. That's just the way that it is. And you have to understand that, you know, there are better days. You are going to reach a certain point where you're more at peace. You never forget, you know, those that you've lost, but... I think that you may reach a certain point where you just embrace their life and everything that that they stood for. And that's the best way I see possible, you know, take their death and understand that life is so short. Life is beautiful. Life is madness. And it's important to love the life that we live and enjoy it you know, every single day because some people don't have that opportunity to to live the rest of their life. I definitely felt like this podcast was needed as you guys may see that I have clearly shown some emotion, but thank you again for listening to today's emotional podcast. And if you guys have any other suggestions on topics, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, as far as the tequila, I recommend it. I don't think it's as smooth as like 1800 or anything, but I recommend it. Casamigos Blanco is pretty good with a mixture of things. So I will see you guys on the next episode of Truth Talks over Tequila Shots.